Those of you who've got a Bible and would like to turn, can turn to John chapter 14. Now, John, the book of John, is towards the end of the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. Um, so like that's, you can see how much I've got here. So all that's the Old Testament and a bit of the New. So it's towards the end, chap, book of John, chapter 14. I'm actually going to be reading this as we go a little bit, and so uh, that's why Nathan is going to be putting up the, the words on the screen as we go. Now, those of you who know me um, and uh, have been around me for the last uh, week or two will know that I've been very excited in these last few weeks because I've been in the process of negotiating a new mobile phone with my mobile phone company. And I've probably been boring everyone stupid about it because I've done all the research and everything. And... Uh, gone online, and I've tried to find the best possible uh, mobile phone. And uh, I've come up with, uh, in fact, I, I could show it you today, but actually, um, it's not here at the moment. It's arriving, hopefully, in the next couple of days. I'm going to get it um, through the post. But I've got one of these fantastic new phones, uh, which is like a touchscreen thing. It's a bit like an iPhone. In fact, it's been called the iPhone killer. It's going to be the one that puts an end to the iPhone. Um, and uh, it's got all this stuff on it. It's amazing. You know, you can, you can, it's got a special thing. You can find out what the weather's like. You can connect to the internet straight away. Uh, you can, you, it's got this thing called stocks. You put, you put it on. You can see how fast the stock market's falling and uh, <laughs> where all your savings have gone. All of this stuff, you know, fantastic. Um, the best thing of all for me when it comes to mobile phones is, you know, I'm on, I'm on one of these contracts. I don't pay, I don't pay a huge amount. But every so often, I get to ring my mobile phone company and, and, and ask for this mobile phone. And they send me a mobile phone out. And generally, it's free. And it's fantastic that I get this free phone uh, through the post and spend ages um, playing on it when I should be doing other things. Um, <laughs> now, I don't want to spend all morning telling you about my new mobile phone. I could do, but I won't. Because um, I want to tell you about some other things which are also free. Free gifts. And these are free gifts that God gives to us as well. We're going to be looking in a moment at the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit is a free gift that God gives to all of us who, who know him. But those of us who don't know him, we can also find out about salvation and what it means to come into a relationship with God. And you know, that is a free gift as well. Not everyone knows that you can get mobile phones for free on contract. Some people just don't know that they can ring up after so long and get a mobile phone, a new one. And a lot of people don't know about the free gifts that are available through God as well. And I want to tell you a little bit about that this morning. And I'm going to look um, primarily at John chapter 14. Now this, uh, this passage, John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's coming towards the end of his time with them just before he, he is crucified, and he knows that he's not going to be with them much longer. They've been following him around, maybe for three years, um, seeing miracles that he's done. Um, they've come to an understanding that he is the Messiah, but they actually maybe don't understand quite what that is. They kind of think it's some political thing, mostly, uh, that he's going to come and, and, and kick out the, the Romans from uh, who are occupying uh, their country. And uh, I think they're going to lead this big revolution. Um, but they've been going around with him. And now Jesus is kind of springing a bit of a bombshell on them because he tells them a few things. He's just told um, them that Peter's going to deny him, deny even knowing him. Peter can't believe it. He's just saying that someone is going to betray him. That ended up being Judas Iscariot, of course. Um, and he's also saying, I'm not going to be with you for much longer. I'm going to leave you. And this confuses them. They're thinking, well, what, what's all that about? You're going to leave us? I don't know if it's just me. I sound very echoey from myself up here. Can you hear that as well? I don't know if we can do something about that. No, we can't. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'll just carry on an echo in your ears. <laughs> if there's a ringing in your ears, you know it's just me. Um, <laughs> he says he's going to... So, so God, Jesus says he's not going to be with them for very much longer. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is in verse 2 of chapter 14. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, um, and I'll come and take you uh, to where I'm going to be. And he says, you know the place 
where I am going. Verse 4, he says to the disciples, you know the place where I am going. Now that confuses them. And Thomas says in verse 5, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Um, So how can we know the way? How can we go and be with you? We don't know where you're going. You say you're going to leave us. Well, what's all that about? Very confusing. As I said, it's all been thrown up in the air. They're not sure who Jesus is, um, what's going on. And maybe for some of us as well, we can be very confused about just who Jesus is. We've got certain ideas about who Jesus is, maybe from what people have told us, maybe from what we've read in the past, maybe what, uh, just, just things that we've picked up around and about, people say. And then we think, well, actually, who is this Jesus? How do we know who Jesus is? We can suddenly be thrown off guard by something that we hear. And we think, well, how can that make sense? What, what does that mean? Many different views about who Jesus is. Some people say, oh, Jesus was just a prophet. Um, the Islamic religion, uh, Islam, believes that Jesus was a prophet, but no more than that, just a, an important prophet. Um, some people say, oh, Jesus, you know, he was a good man, wasn't he? He was a good man. Um, one of the things that we've looked at on this Alpha course that we've done is actually, you can't just say, it's very hard to say, Jesus was a good man, because he went around claiming that he was God. So you can't really say that a man goes around claiming that he's God. He's a good man, and just a good man. He either is telling the truth and he is God, or he's a bit of a nutter, or he's, uh, he's very dangerous and uh, needs to be sorted out. He's a, mad, he's a liar, a very deceptive man, a con man. Um, some people, Christians often think this, um, that Jesus, Jesus is just someone who is, who is going to make our life just a little bit better. You know, we're having trouble in our life and uh, Jesus is the one who can sort all our problems out. And that's pretty much the extent of it. But actually, we can look at what the Bible says about who Jesus is, and we can come to a far greater understanding of him. The Bible does say that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Savior, that he is the Son of God. Now, Jesus is saying, look, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now you do know him and have seen him. And Philip says to him, Philip's another one of his disciples, Philip says, Lord, look, just, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. He's saying, look, all this stuff, I just don't get it. Just show us the Father. Just show us who the Father is. That'll do me. That'll be enough. The thing is, though, a lot of people are wanting that, aren't they? A lot of people are saying, there's a lot of confusion about, just tell me, just tell me about God. Just tell me the truth. I just want to understand, I just want to get past all the rubbish, all the stuff that's being said by all these other people, and I want to know who is God. I want to know God. And Jesus answers Philip, because Philip's been going around with Jesus. And and Jesus says in verse uh, 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Jesus is pointing out, look, you're saying just show us the Father, but I've been with you for three years. You should have got an idea of what God is like now because I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. You don't really know me, do you? You've been around me for so long, but yet you don't know me. And you know, we can hang around Christians, we can come along to church, we can do things that Christians do, we can do spiritual things, whatever they might be, but we can still miss the point of knowing Jesus. We can still miss that that's what it's all about. It's about knowing Jesus. It's not about doing certain things, it's not about singing certain songs, it's not about praying, it's not about reading your Bible, it's not about Um, doing certain activities, it's not about coming to a carol service. All of the things that people might say, oh, you know, that's all right, I'm I'm finding out about God. It's not about those things. It's about knowing Jesus, having faith in him, giving your life to following him. And Jesus comes and he chooses us. He did it right from the start. He did it with his disciples. He walked along and he called his disciples. 
They weren't coming and saying, God, can we follow you at the time? Jesus, can we follow you? He said, oh, Peter, come and follow me. James and John, fishing out there, come and follow me. Tax collector, Matthew, come and follow me. He called his disciples. He called the people who he wanted to follow him. And many of them were very ordinary people. They weren't special people. They weren't people who'd got certain credentials. They were just ordinary people. Ordinary fishermen. A tax collector. People, uh, tax collectors who people hated at the time. He revealed himself to all sorts of people. Even after he'd been raised from the dead, he chose to reveal himself to Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. And Paul was kind of the arch enemy of Christians. He, w- he went around uh, persecuting Christians, absolutely hating them, wanting to kill them for following this Jesus. And then suddenly, on this road, when he's on his way to persecute some more Christians, Jesus comes, a blinding light, and he reveals himself to Paul. And he says, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Paul knew that he'd come into into an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And suddenly his life was changed. He was called by God. Do you know, there's no one here who is too good or too bad or too insignificant to come to know God. We can often rule ourselves out. We can often say, oh, you know, it's not for me. How, how, can, how can God love me? How can Jesus want me? Do you know, Jesus chose ordinary people from all sorts of different walks of life and he's still calling and choosing people today and I believe that he's calling and choosing people here this morning you know it's the only way says the Bible, that the Bible says that we can come to know God in verse 6 of John chapter 14 Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, how can you call this man just a good man? How can you call him just an ordinary man? He's, if you're saying things like that, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to know God except through me. It's either the height of arrogance or self-delusion or he's telling the truth. He's revealing the truth to people. He's saying, look, you might be searching, you might be confused, you might be wondering what it's all about, but I am the way. This is the way that you come to know the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you're confused about it all here today, and if you're thinking, I don't know what Christianity is all about, I don't know what life's all about, I've tried this and I've tried that, and nothing really seems to to work, and it still leaves me um, confused and, and not sure, let me tell you that Jesus is saying to you this morning, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I believe today you can find that for yourself. John came and he, he, he gave a word about people in the confusion and the chaos of life. And he, he linked it to the, to the storm that the disciples found themselves in. And Jesus saying, come and get out of the boat and walk to me. He's thinking, no, no, it's too confusing. There's too much going on in my life. I'll wait until it's all calmed down. I'll wait until this has happened. I'll wait until that's happened. And Jesus is saying, no, get out of the boat and walk and come and you will find me. That's what Jesus is saying to us this morning. You find it in other passages in the Bible as well. In Matthew and chapter 7 and verse 7, uh, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is saying, if you ask, you'll get. If you look, you'll find what you're looking for. And if you knock on the door, I'll open the door to you. And if we do that, then we've got huge promises from God. Huge promises from God. Free gifts. For example, in uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory 
to the Father. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? You know, you'll do even more amazing things than I've been doing. And you can read through the Bible and the New Testament and find out more of the amazing things that that, uh, Jesus had done. And in verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Jesus is promising another counsellor, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. He's saying, look, I'm going to have left you. I'm not going to be around much longer, but you don't have to worry. You don't have to think, oh, we're on our own, because I'm going to send someone else to come and be with you. He's going to be the spirit of truth. He's going to bring truth into your lives. And uh, we'll find out far more about this Holy Spirit in a few moments' time. But Jesus is saying, you'll have it with you. It'll be as though I am with you. And you know, this did happen. You can read all about it in Acts chapter 2. Acts is the, uh, the next book along in the Bible. And that, and that tells, starts off with when Jesus had ra- been raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. This promise that Jesus had, had, had given to his disciples, it happened. It happened. The disciples were in a room and uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. The Holy Spirit isn't something that Jesus has just mentioned here for the first time. You get the Holy Spirit all the way through the Bible. Obviously, in the New Testament, there's far more about the Holy Spirit because that's when it's poured out on all believers. But the Holy Spirit was mentioned right from the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, right at the start, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You'd already got the Holy Spirit there hovering over the waters right at the start of creation. And all the way through the New Testament you find the Holy Spirit coming upon a number of individual people and giving them uh, what they need for specific purposes. For example, Samson. Samson, this guy you might have heard of in the, New, in the Old Testament, um, and you, you know Samson because of his strength. Well, that strength that he had came from the Holy Spirit. And uh, in Judges chapter 15 and verse 14 and 15, it talks about when the Spirit of God came upon Samson. And uh, Samson is, uh, is bound up, and then it says, As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting, And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. I love that. Do you know, some people think that the the Bible is a bit soft and boring, and that it's all a a bit nice. The Holy Spirit's come on Samson here, He's bound up by his enemies. He suddenly breaks free of all of these. He's looking around. What have I got here? Oh, there's a dead donkey there. Let's just get his jawbone. Gets his jawbone and starts whacking these people around. And kills a thousand people with this jawbone. The Holy Spirit. Now, hopefully that's not going to happen later this morning. When the the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But, do you know what I mean? This is power. This isn't something tame. This isn't something that's just nice. This is powerful stuff that God has got. The Holy Spirit is a powerful spirit. He's very powerful. And he's promised widely across in the Old Testament. He's promised that he will come on more and more people. In the the book of Joel, which is towards the end of the Old Testament, in the book of Joel... Um, Joel chapter 2 and verses 28 and 29 says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. There's a promise that the Holy Spirit, which has just come on one or two people up until now in the Old Testament, is going to be widely poured out, widely poured out. But up until the time of Jesus, 
These prophecies and these words had remained unfulfilled. It hadn't yet happened. But now Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, I'm going to send. I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. That's where it's going to start. And that's what happened, as I said, in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was poured out on uh, the disciples and the people, and they, they have tongues of fire that come and separate and come to rest on them. There's a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Again, violence, it's not tame. Came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They start to speak in other tongues and languages. Um, and, then, uh, and then people are asking about it. Uh, what's going on? So Peter stands up and he speaks and he tells them all about Jesus. But then at the end, he says in uh, verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Peter ends his, uh, his preaching like this. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So he's saying, look, turn away from your sins, repent, believe in Jesus, be baptized into the name of Jesus, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive it as well. We've got it. You've seen the evidence of it in us, but it's for you as well. And he says, um, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know, some Christians would say, oh, the Holy Spirit, it was just for people in the early church. It was just for people in those times. We, we don't need it these days. Well, I would say, I feel we do need it. Um, but the Bible says here, it's for everyone. It's for everyone, not just then. It's not just you'll receive it, period. It was you'll receive it. The promise is for you, and it's for your children, and for all who are far off, further down the line, and for everyone whom the Lord our God will call. In other words, if you are a Christian here today, it's for you. If you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit, then you can. It's for you. It's available. Maybe you didn't even know about it. Maybe it was like these mobile phones that you think, oh, I didn't know we could ring up and, and just get a new mobile phone. You might say, well, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, it's a free gift. It's for you. God has promised it for you. You don't have to worry that it's not for you. You don't have to worry that you're not good enough because you are. Accepted by God if you've been forgiven through Jesus' blood. And it's for you. Jesus points out in verse 17 of, uh, of John 14, he says, um, the world cannot accept him, this is the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him or knows him. The world's not going to accept him. Most people aren't going to accept this. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. In other words, it's for those people who've come to know Jesus themselves. It's for those who've seen that their sin separates them from God. But by God's grace, we can come into a relationship with him because of that sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. The world doesn't accept it. The world doesn't know it. But Jesus said, you will know it because he'll come and live inside of you. He says in verse 19, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you'll realize I'm in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. In other words, he was telling them things up until that point and they were going, we don't get it, Jesus. We, don't, we just don't get it. What on earth are you talking about? We, we don't understand. And he's saying, look, on that day, you'll understand. On that day when the Holy Spirit comes and is living in you, you'll understand. You'll get it because the Holy Spirit will be revealing it to you. It will be more than just me telling you face to face. It will be the Holy Spirit living within you, giving you understanding. And that's what can happen with us. You know, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the truth of God's Word. Only then would it happen. Now, at this point, Judas, this is not the Judas who betrayed him, this is another Judas. Judas asks a question. And uh, it's a little bit of a diversion, but Jesus answers it. Um, I guess Jesus was almost like doing the first Alpha course. Those of us who have been doing Alpha course, um, you know, there's lots of questions come up. So um, Jesus was kind of speaking on one topic. And then someone was going, yeah, but, but what about this? I'm asking a question about this. And you go, oh, okay, well, well, we'll talk about that. 
So uh, Jesus was running his first alpha course with, um, <laughs> with the disciples. Um, and Judas says, I'd forgotten what he'd asked then. Judas says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So, you know, you know why, why just us? Why not to everyone? How come it's like this big secret? Um, and Jesus explains that it's all about a relationship. It's all about a relationship with him. He says, the question is, do you love me? He says in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My father will love him and we'll come to him and make our home with him. He who doesn't love me will not obey my teaching. These words that you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. He's saying, look, you know, this is, for, this is for you, because if you love me, you'll obey what I'm teaching you, and then, and then the Father will come, and uh, we'll make our home with you. And if you don't obey the teaching, if you, because you don't love me, then it won't happen, will it? You know, people can believe that Jesus is the Son of God and say, but I don't want anything to do with it. Okay, I believe the evidence. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He wasn't a madman. He wasn't a con man. He wasn't deluded. But I just don't want anything to do with him, to be honest. That's all very nice, but nothing to do with me. And if, if you don't love him, if you don't want anything to do with him, then Jesus isn't going to force himself on you. He doesn't force his Holy Spirit on you. He doesn't force you to live in a certain way. You know, a lot of people think, oh, um, Christianity is about doing certain things right. To be a Christian, you've got to live in a certain way. You can't do this, you can't do that, you must do this, you mustn't do that. You think, oh, I can't do that, I don't want to live in that way. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, if you love me, then you will obey what I teach you. In other words, loving Jesus comes first. Jesus chose his disciples without them having to prove themselves to him. He didn't say, um, oh, James and John, will you follow me? Here's a list of all the things that you need to do. um, And then if you meet all that criteria, if you get all that right, then you can come and follow me. He didn't say that. He just said, look, come and follow me. And as they spent time with him, and as they learned from him and got to know him and love him, then they started to live their lives differently. They started to live their lives in the way that Jesus wanted to. Jesus has already made the first move. It's up to us to respond back and to love him. And then we'll start to do the things that please him. When I, start, when I first met Debbie, Debbie didn't give me a big, long list. Debbie's my wife, by the way. <laughs> Just in case you don't know. Debbie didn't give me a big, long list of things that I had to do to be good enough to go out with her and to marry her. She didn't do that. Now, there are certain things that Debbie really likes doing. She loves going to cafes. She loves going to garden centers. Didn't do a lot for me, to be honest. You know, especially garden centers. like a nice cup of coffee, but garden centers. But Debbie didn't say, look, you know, I will, I will marry you, but you need to start going to garden centers. And when I see that you are going to quite a few garden centers, then, then I'll come and I'll spend some time with you. But you've got to do that first. That's the test. You know, off you go. Because if she'd have done that, I would never have married her. Because there was no way that I was going to start going to garden centers because they're dismal. I'm just choosing not to look at her now. <laughs> you know, that wasn't going to happen. But what happened, though, was that I started to spend time with Debbie. And then, because I love her, I start to do the things which please her. So when we have some time together, and as a family, and we're thinking, what should we do? And Debbie says, well, what about going to a garden center? <laughs> she says every day. <laughs> I'm slightly exaggerating. <laughs> then, then now I might say, yeah, okay, let's do that. Let's have it because, because I'm with her and I'm wanting to do the things that she is into. Now, it's, a slight, it's not a great analogy because, you know, God 
intrinsically, the things that he wants us to do are intrinsically good. And garden centres aren't. <laughs> but I, I try, try and give you a bit of a picture. <laughs> the point is, if we love someone, generally, we want to do the things that please them. And that's what Jesus said. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. You know, I want to say to you this morning, if you don't know God and you just think, ah, it's just going to be too difficult, I just know there's going to be all these things that I'm going to have put upon me that I've got to do to, be, to be, live up to it. I want to say to you, that is a lie. I believe that is a, a, one of the biggest lies that people can believe because they, they just think, well, I can't do it. I don't want to do all of these things. And God's not asking you to do that. That's not to say that you won't change when you come into a relationship with God. Because you go into a relationship with anyone, it will change you. And if you go into a relationship with God, it will change you more than a relationship with anyone else. But listen, it will be because, you will change because you will want to change. You will start doing things because you want to do them. It won't be like you, you're feeling bashed over the head by someone that you've got to do things all the time that you don't want to do because you'll want to do it, because you love Jesus. And if you're not in that relationship, if you don't know Jesus, you can't understand that. You can't understand what that's like. But try and imagine it from a human perspective. It gives you a slight picture. It's only a very uh, small illustration of what it might be like. But that's the kind of way it is. Don't rule out following Jesus because you think there's all these things you've got to do. You know, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my teaching and then we'll come and I'll make our home with you and then we'll pour out these gifts on you and it'll be wonderful. I encourage you, follow Jesus. It's the only way. It's the best way. It's the only way to know God. So who is this Holy Spirit? We go back to the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? Well, in verse 16, Jesus calls him a counselor, the spirit of truth. He teaches all things like Jesus did when he was with his disciples. And he will bring peace to them. Um, in verse 26, Jesus says, um, the, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things, remind you of everything I've said to you, and peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I, give, I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. He will bring peace to them so that their hearts aren't troubled and their hearts aren't afraid. They certainly were at the time, and many people live their lives with troubled hearts and with full of fear about whatever it might be. I kind of joked about the stock market falling. People are in fear about it. But Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to leave you something which isn't going to leave you in fear and trouble. You'll have peace. If we look forward to the, in the New Testament to Jesus' death and resurrection and to the book of Acts, we see that's exactly what happened in the early church. When Jesus was arrested before the Holy Spirit was poured out, his disciples were afraid. Peter, as Jesus had predicted, denied knowing him. Because someone said to him, you know, you were with him, weren't you? And Jesus has just been arrested. And Peter's thinking, I don't want you to arrest me. And Peter's going, yeah, uh, no, no, I don't know him. I've never, I've never met him before. He denied knowing him, even though Peter had said, I'll stick by you forever. You can't do it in your own strength. He was fearful, he was afraid, and he denied him. Judas did betray him. After Jesus had, uh, had, had, had died they, and while he was being crucified, they hid away fearfully. They weren't around. Even after Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't as though they were like just going around going, hey, Jesus is alive to everyone. They were still together in a room. They weren't out in public. Yet in Acts 2, you read this story, about, this passage about how the Holy Spirit came upon them, as we've talked about. And suddenly, they've got attention. They're speaking in all these different languages. It's nine o'clock in the morning. People are thinking they're drunk. And, and they're not, they so, don't suddenly go, ooh, better go back to our little room and we'll speak in tongues there. And we'll do that. They're like, no, this is what it's all about. And they start to tell people about what had happened to Jesus. They had confidence that they'd never had before. And that was how Christianity started. And it spread like wildfire because suddenly the people who knew Jesus and had the Holy Spirit in them didn't have that fear anymore. In fact, they were arrested. Some of the disciples were arrested and, stopped, and told to stop preaching. I think it was Peter and um, someone else with him. 
Bar- uh, no, it wouldn't have been Barnabas. John, Peter and John. And in Acts chapter 4 and verse 18, they've been commanded. It says they called him again. This is the, um, the Sanhedrin, the people who have arrested him. They called him in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, they've been arrested and threatened. But, Jesus, but Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you or God. For we can't help speaking about what we've seen or we've heard. You know, they've been threatened, they've been arrested. You'd think that would have quietened them down. But no, they've got the Holy Spirit living in them. And they're saying, look, well, you're telling us this, but, you know, we've got God. Who are we going to obey? And we can't help it. We've just got to tell people about it because it's such wonderful news. We're going to tell people. And they did, and it continued. And the church just grew and grew. What a difference in these men. What a difference in the lives of these disciples. And you know, the Holy Spirit can make such a difference in our lives too. I know, when you, when you don't have something, you can't imagine what it can be like. I remember when I was at school and, uh, and computers first came out. It was the early 80s and uh, the first PC came out. And you know, I had an amazing computer. It wasn't one of these, you know, uh, basic ones, these, these low-end ones like the ZX81. No, I had a VIC-20. VIC-20, fantastic. This was, oh, it had five kilobytes of memory. Five kilobytes, that was, that was amazing. And I thought it was fantastic. You know, I could play games on this. Um, I mean, it, it did take me a long time. I had, it had one of these little tape players. You put a cassette in it, and you had to play. It made this awful sound. And you played that cassette to the computer for half an hour. Uh, and then it would load a game, maybe. If it didn't say, oh, I haven't got, quite got that right, please load it again. Okay, another half hour. Now, I spent hours just waiting for these games to load. Then it'd be like, bedtime. Oh, no. <laughs> but you could play games on it. It was fantastic. I'm playing Space Invaders. Cutting edge of technology. At that time, I could not have imagined what it would be like to live with today's technology. You just have no idea, do you? If, you? if you're living in an age where there's just none of that technology or very basic, and you, th- you can't imagine the possibilities of what you could have. You can't imagine having a phone that isn't connected to anything that you can go around and you can speak to people on and you can get loads of information from the internet. I mean, what on earth was that? No one knew what the internet was. Um, just absolutely amazing the things that you have, we have now. And we kind of take it for granted. But it would have been hard to explain that to people when they didn't have it. In the same way, we can live our lives as Christians and battle with all sorts of things in our own strength and think, oh, this is a bit tough, you know. The equivalent of putting a, a tape into a player and, and, and having it, you know, oh, what's going to happen, you know, oh, this is, this is painful, this is hard work. And we cannot know that there's so much more available. We don't have to wait as Christians. We can have free access to the power of the Holy Spirit today. We can receive that in our lives today. We don't have to battle with things as they are. Very briefly, let's look at what sort of things the Holy Spirit helps us to do. I'm going to rattle through some passages here, so you probably won't have time to turn to them. Hopefully Nathan is going to be like, past his finger, and he's going to be getting them up. So we're going to start off uh, looking at what the Holy Spirit uh, does. Romans 8, 1 to 2, tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us to know that we are forgiven and not condemned. It says, well done. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. We know now that we have, we've been forgiven and we're not being condemned. Romans 8, still, and chapter, um, verse 14 to 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us to put to death our sinful nature and know that we are sons and daughters of God. We don't have to live in the way that we used to. It says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Abba means father. 
The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Further on in Romans 8, verse 26, it tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, prays for us, uh, with groans that words cannot express. So we might think, well, I don't know what to pray in this situation, but the Holy Spirit in us knows because it's the Spirit of God, and so the Spirit of God can stir within us and pray uh, on our behalf for us and help us to pray. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, uh, and verse 17 and 18, tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Word of God, in other words, the Bible. And Paul asks, says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray also the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Helps us to understand God's word, helps us to understand that we've got an eternal destiny with God forever in heaven. We've got a glorious future. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18 tells us that the Holy Spirit brings us freedom and transforms us into God's likeness day by day. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And finally uh, in, this, in this little bit 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7 to 11 the Holy Spirit gives us gifts gives us gifts which help us to serve and build up the church together. And Paul says, Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common goods to help each other. To one person there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. It's not... It's not lots of different spirits, it's not lots of different gods. It's one spirit is giving all these different gifts. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different types of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues, so we can understand what those words mean. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one, just as he determines. He decides who he's going to give to them to. But, that's what the Spirit does. But then it comes down to us. We have to receive Jesus' Spirit, the Spirit of God. We have to receive the Holy Spirit. It's no good just hearing about it. It's no good just saying, oh, that's nice. We have to actually actively receive it and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians and chapter 5, Paul encourages people to do that. And these are people who are Christians. And he says, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, um, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God our Father in everything, uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, Be filled with the Spirit, and that's a continuous thing. Keep being filled with the Spirit. I just wonder how often we neglect to do that as Christians. How often do we come to a meeting maybe and think, okay, God, fill me with your Spirit, and we're filled with the Spirit, and we're like, wonderful. And then we just go our own way. We just live our lives day by day, and we start more and more to live in our own strength and our own power, and just battle with things. Oh, this is hard. And God says, keep being filled with the Spirit. Keep coming back to me and be filled with the Spirit continuously. It's not automatic. It's not automatic when we come to believe in God. And uh, some people will say, oh, you know, it all happens automatically when you do come to be a Christian. But Acts 19 explains to us that that isn't the case because it gives an example of while Paul was in Corinth and um, it says while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus uh, and there he found some disciples. So he's in Ephesus 
And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I don't think he was just asking that question because he was just interested. I think he saw that they hadn't. I think he saw that there was something different about them. They weren't really living in the power of the Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit um, when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't know anything about it. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were 12 men in all. So these were disciples. They were people who who were already believers, but they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so they were living their lives without that power. Twelve of them suddenly find out. Revelation 22 and verse 17, right at the end of the Bible, we said that the Holy Spirit is mentioned right from the start of the Bible. It's mentioned right at the end of the Bible as well. Revelation, this is the last page of your Bible. Revelation 22, verse 17. It says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. That is the Holy Spirit. So hope that we've seen this morning, that this gift of the Holy Spirit is so important. God loves to give us free gifts. He loves to pour it out on us. He loves to give us the free gift of salvation where we don't have to live up to any standards. We don't have to try and achieve, achieve it and then we can say, oh, now God, will you accept me? You know, we can come solely through accepting that Jesus Christ died to forgive us from our sins, that the Father would forgive us and welcome us and we just put our faith and our trust in that and in him and say, we're believing in you, we're following you. That's all we have to do to come to know him. And then God will pour out these gifts to us. All of these things, the Holy Spirit will enable us to do all of these things, to understand him better, to pray, to not have fear, to have peace in our lives, to, under, to, to, to have different gifts that we're using to build each other up in the, in the body. Such a wonderful gift that God has given us. But yet we can be in and around church and we can miss out. We cannot be filled and baptized in the Spirit. And we miss out on all that Jesus has promised us. You know, this morning, I want to encourage us to receive it from God, to accept it. You know, there's some people who never do upgrade their mobile phones, going back to that. They just never do. And, you know, I'll, I'll be, I've spoken to people and I say, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a bit of a rubbish phone you've got there. Why, why have you got that? And, and they'll... <laughs> They'll say, oh, I'm happy with it. I say, well, you, you want to ring up your, your phone company. You know, you, they'll give you a brand new one. Oh, no, it's, it's all right. I, I know where I am with this one. I, I'll stick with this. Oh. Now, you know, it's not a big deal when it comes to a mobile phone, is it? It doesn't matter, really. If you're happy with it, you're happy with it. Do you know what? When it comes to knowing God, when it comes to life as a Christian, let's not be those people who just say, I'm all right. I'm happy as I am. I get by. I can't do all of those amazing things that you can do with your phone. Can't, can't do all those amazing things that you... I'm getting confused now. Can't do those amazing things that you can do, do in your life. Oh, no, I've, I've never really prayed for someone and seen them being healed. No, I've, no but, but I'm happy enough. You think, no. God has got so much more. So much he wants to pour out on you, into your life. It's free. It's a free gift. Let's come and receive. Why not today? Let's receive from him today. Let's come. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your lavish grace that you give us so much that we don't deserve. We know, Lord, we know that we are undeserving of a relationship with you. We're undeserving of forgiveness. We're undeserving of any gifts that you 
that you may have to give out, to pour out. But Lord, we know, we thank you, we praise you for the truth that you've, you've given it us anyway. You said here, it's a free gift. Because I've sent my son Jesus, who died on that cross, and who took the punishment for your sin, you can know me. You can know all that it is, and it's all yours. You can, in, you can come into that inheritance. You can come into that relationship with me. And I'll give you my Holy Spirit in your life. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to earn it. And Lord, help us to come and receive it from you with gladness and joy and gratitude and move into everything that you have. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you know, in a moment, I'm going to give people an opportunity to respond to what I've said. And uh, there could be a couple of things that you might want to respond to. Um, Some of you may not know Jesus for yourself. Some of you may have heard about him, heard about what it means, heard about what Christianity is all about, but you've never actually made that step of saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. There may be these things going on in my life, there may be storms going on around and about, and I may not know what's going to happen, and it may be as though I feel as though I'm going to sink. But I'm going to take that step of faith, and I'm going to walk out onto that water. And you know, if you do that, Jesus will come to you, and you will know him. But you need to take that step of faith. And that's a big decision for you. But I would urge you, if you've heard about Jesus and you know all that there is to know, I would urge you to do that today. Because you'll come into so much for eternity as well. And then for others, it may be that you want to respond to be filled with the Holy Spirit and baptised in the Holy Spirit. Some of us may have been there before and been filled and we just know we've run dry. And we just need God to come and fill us afresh. For others, you may need to come for the first time. And again, it's nothing scary. We'll just pray for you like, like Paul did. Uh, just, uh, just pray. Let, maybe lay hands on you, put our hands on you. And just pray that the Holy Spirit will come into you. And you can receive all that there is that God has got.